The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Doug Bursch and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. You know, I've pastored long enough to notice something among many Christians. Some of us have been taught to hate ourselves. We've even been given a theology of self-hate. Now sure, we're not supposed to be proud, but we're not supposed to be full of self-loathing either. On today's show, we're going to talk about how to reclaim our self-worth, our spiritual worth, how to take our faith away from self-hate and fear and ground it in the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining the show. This is Dr. Doug Bursch, and you are listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. If you'd like to text me, it's 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. You can also leave a voicemail for those of you who are not millennials. 360, excuse me, 360-818-4513. And I'd be glad to respond back to you. I don't put you on any mailing list or phone list or text list. I just like to know that you've listened to the show. So it's 360-818-4513. You can also go to our website, fairlyspiritual.org, and find out about past podcasts, past radio shows. And uh, you can also find out about my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor, by going to fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. Today I want to talk about reclaiming your spiritual worth, or just your worth. I don't know why we need to have the qualifier spiritual worth, because the reality is we are all supposed to be living as God designed us to live. Not everyone has chosen to do that. I have noticed that we have, uh, in some of our theological traditions, we've taught people to hate themselves. We've given them this self-hate, where if you ask someone, uh, you know, say something good about yourself, and they'll say, oh, there's nothing good in me, it's only Jesus Christ. And I know that people think that that might sound good, but I don't think it's biblical. The Bible does not say that about us. The Bible doesn't talk about humans as the worthless gnat on the butt of a donkey that's just, you know, worthy of hell completely. And the only reason we're going to heaven is Jesus died for us, but there's nothing good in us remotely. The Bible does talk about that we're not righteous outside of Christ's righteousness. It does talk about that our righteousness is in Christ Jesus. So hear me clearly. I'm not saying that we can have our own righteousness. But the reality is the Bible speaks much about how dearly loved humans are, and how every human being, every life, has an intrinsic value, has a worth. And and I want to get into that a little bit, but but before I do that, I want to just look at a scripture kind of as a theme for this. Um, If you look in Romans, uh, I'm trying to think where this is. I don't have my reading glasses on. I think this is Romans 12 too. Uh, This is what Paul says, For by the grace given to me, I say uh, to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than you ought to think. So they're going, yes, that's it, Doug. You're thinking too highly of yourself. Well, now, wait, let's just keep reading. Not to think of yourself too highly uh, or more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Sober judgment. We're not supposed to think too highly of ourselves, 
But we're not supposed to think too lowly of ourselves. We're just supposed to see ourselves the way God sees us, the way we have been created. And uh, to look at this, I want to get right into this idea of how the Bible introduces us, how the Bible introduces humanity. Now, I often teach classes uh, on different things, on different theology classes, uh, college students, and I'll ask the students, uh, how would you lead someone to Christ? You know, what's the way to lead someone to Christ? And, And most of them will say, well, first, it's kind of this Romans road evangelistic. First, you need to tell them about their sins, right? So you need to talk about that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and that's certainly a way to lead someone to Christ. Uh, and they'll say, you got to first introduce people to their sins and tell them how sinful they are, and then talk about how Christ died for our sins and how we can receive Christ as a sacrifice for our sins, and he's our Savior. And that's, that's true. That's all true. Not arguing against any of that. But then I talk to the class, that is not how the Bible introduces the story of our salvation. That's not how the Bible introduces us. The Bible introduces humans in a very different way. And if you go to Genesis, the Bible starts with not how terrible humans are, but how wonderful we are. Now, quickly, it talks about a lot of terrible stories. So we're going to talk about that too. And I think in some ways, humans know that. We know how terrible we are. But many of us don't understand God's heart for us. And if you look in Genesis, in the very beginning, the way that humans are introduced, what's the first way that God introduces humans in the Bible. Like if you go chronologically, the oldest stories, how are humans introduced? Well, the first thing you hear is God says, let us make man in our image. In our image, let us make him. And if you, and if you read that scripture, and I'd just like you to go to the beginning of Genesis and read it, it starts with, let us make man in our image. So whose image are we made in? God's image. And it's repeated four times. That's the first thing. It's pretty powerful. It's like this. Let's say, um, I don't believe in aliens, but let's just say an alien were to come to this planet and an alien were to say, what are humans like? Well, the Bible would say, the first thing, humans are made in the image of God. That's a pretty powerful statement. You know, humans are kind of arrogant as it is, right? I don't know if the first thing I'd want humans to realize is that they are made in God's image. I might first want them to realize you guys are sinful and wicked and rebellious, but the first thing God wanted us to know is that we are made in his image. That's something we shouldn't overlook, that the first thing, and then when the stories of Genesis were, were, were being written down, people were messing up, people were sinning, people were living terrible lives, and God might have said, I want you to write this down. I want you to write down that humans are wicked, that humans are depraved, that humans are destroying everything. But nope, the first thing we read in Genesis about humans, you're made in my image, in my image. And then as you go on, then it says that God created humans, and then he made us fruitful, and he made us, gave us the gift of being able to, be mul- to multiply and to have dominion, that he not only uh, made us in his image, but he gave us the ability to do amazing things. And not only did he give us the ability to do amazing things, that after he created us, he said something that is truly, truly remarkable. If you look at the creation story, after each day after God creates um, an element of, of earth, you know, wh- whether it's the animals or the trees or the fish or the water or whatever he creates, each day he looks at it and he says, it is good, you know, this is good. But after he creates humans, he says something that he has not said in any of the other days. 
He looks and he says, it is very good. He uses the word very good. So the first thing God wants us to know is that we are created in his image and that we image him in a way that is very good. Or maybe, maybe I could say it this way, that when we were created, he said, very good. I delight in the fact that you exist. I delight in the fact that you are created. I delight in your existence. So many of us were first introduced to God in this way. God is angry with you. God is upset with you. God, you, know, you are this worthless, useless person deserving of hell. I mean, some people were introduced in such a way that, you know, you're lucky Jesus died for you because the Father is so angry at you that, you know, he just looks at Jesus and says, well, I guess I love Jesus, so I got to love you. And we have this sense of ourselves that is so full of, we have a God who just hates us. But luckily, Jesus died for us, so we're going into heaven. But that is not how the Bible presents us. In the beginning, Old Testament, you know, Old Testament, we say, oh, you know, the wrathful, angry God. Old Testament starts with this. The first thing humans are to know is you are created in God's image, and you are created wonderfully, powerfully. With You have power, you have dominion, you have the ability to be fruitful, to multiply. And when you were created, God said, very good. And you were given volition to serve God or to serve yourself. You were given volition to to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or not. You're given the ability to serve God or not to serve God. And in Adam and Eve's ability to serve God or not to serve God, they chose to serve themselves instead of God. They, served to, they chose to serve the created instead of the creator. And in doing that, it caused all kinds of harm and it brought wickedness into the world and it marred the image of God in them. And it created an unrighteousness where they were dead in their sins. And yes, it made it so that their righteousness was filthy rags in the eyes of God. But let me be clear, even though they were unrighteous, even though their works could not make them righteous, it doesn't mean that they didn't still image God in some way. Every human images God in some way. We know this. Every baby in the womb images God in some way. Every newborn child images God in some way. Even though they're born into a depraved world, even though sin has corrupted the biology of humanity, they still image God. It might be a marred image, but they still image God. One of the problems with our culture is we're so concerned with this idea of we don't want Christians to be proud, we don't want Christians to be arrogant, that we come at them with this idea that you have to have this self-hate, that you're just this worthless, useless, meaningless, terrible person, that there's nothing in you at all of any value or worth. And the Bible does not say that. The Bible says that your righteousness is filthiness. But it doesn't say that your identity is worthless. The Bible says that every human image is God. Now, once we go our own way, we take being made in God's image and we corrupt it. And we begin to use it for our own purposes. But here's the reality. Each one of us can do great things without God. We can do wonderful things without God. And and the reality, as you know this too, is we can find beauty in people who don't serve God. And you know this to be the case, and you can see this in the arts. There are, there are songs where you've listened to the song, and it's greatly impacted you in a spiritual way, and that song was written by someone who's not serving God. And why does it impact you in a great way? Because that person still images God in some way. They're not following God, but there's still an aspect of God that they image, and they were able to write a beautiful song that allowed you to understand something about the beauty of God. 
or you've seen a picture that's reminded you of God, or you've seen a movie, or, or, or there's a, you, the art's in such a powerful way where maybe one of your favorite songs or your favorite movie was not created by a Christian. But in the creation of that art, it imaged God. Now, it might not have been perfect. It might have been corrupted. But you were still able to see God. The world still images God even though they don't serve God. And when we come to people and say, without God, you can do nothing that images God, we're wrong. People all over the world are imaging God. And if we say there's nothing in you that you can do that's good or right, everything you do is wrong until you serve Jesus, people go, well, I think I do good things. I think there's stuff that I do that that brings beauty into the world. They do stuff that brings beauty into the world because their very existence is an expression of God. They image God. But the reality is if they're not serving God, other things happen as well. When you don't serve God, this is what happens. When people don't serve God, we begin to worship the person instead of God. They begin to worship themselves. They begin to say, look at how great I am. Look at all the things I've done. Look how wonderful I am. And you see in the arts that as well, right? We lift up the artist. We lift up the musician. We lift up the people who create. And instead of praising God, they praise themselves. We become marred and corrupted. The expressions become marred and corrupted. So the same music industry or or, or movie industry, or TV industry, or any art industry, or, or it becomes marred and corrupted because people use their giftings for their own selfish purposes. And we see this in science as well. God has gifted scientists to do amazing things, and instead of thanking God for that, we begin to thank ourselves for that and see ourselves as the God. Or even what also happens is we prosper without God because we image God on earth, and what happens? Life is still meaningless. And even though we're prospering because God blessed us to be fruitful, to multiply and have dominion, and because we image God on earth and we have all this amazing capacity, but we're not serving God, life becomes meaningless and aimless because we do not give glory to God. There's a reality that many of us think we've learned this theology that outside of Christ, there's nothing in us. But in Christ, there's everything. But you knew, like, outside of Christ, I could do some good things, and I could bless people, and... but it was meaningless. But also, some of you in Christ, you're, you're thinking, like, is Christ, am I just a terrible, horrible person, and the only thing that makes me good is, is just Jesus? Or, or is there an aspect of me that also makes me okay? And so this is what we have. We have this either, we have, well, pride's wrong, but self-hate is good. I'm just this terrible, worthless, useless person that Jesus loves. And we live our Christian life with this self-hate. And I don't think it's good. And I don't think it's biblical. I think what's more biblical would be how Jesus modeled in his life how we minister. Jesus is perfect. And Jesus incarnate was perfect. And he was the perfect man. He's perfect God. But, but on earth, he was sinless and perfect. And I often ask people, why was Jesus baptized? You know, why did he need to be baptized? Baptism, John's baptism was for repentance. Jesus didn't need to repent of anything, right? He didn't need to go into the baptismal waters of repentance. And in fact, that's why John was like, don't get baptized. That's the wrong message, Jesus. This is for people who want to repent. And, and you're the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. You don't go into these waters. These waters are for sinners. You're going to confuse everyone. So why did Jesus get baptized? It wasn't just symbolic, and it wasn't because he's a sinner, because he was not a sinner. Jesus went into the baptismal waters to lay down his perfection. 
Because Jesus could have done everything in his own strength. He could have done everything in his perfect strength. He was perfect. But instead, he died to his perfection. He just surrendered himself into the waters and said, Not my will be done, but I will do everything based on the will of the Father through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Not based on his own strength. Not based on his own wisdom. Not based on his own sinlessness. In a way, it's like, you know, Adam and Eve in the garden, they were made perfect. You know, they were made sinless. And they were supposed to trust God completely. They were supposed to die to themselves and live by the Father's instructions. But instead of living by the Father's instructions, they went to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they, and they, they said, we need our own knowledge so we can do things our own way. But Jesus reverses that, and he says, not my own knowledge, not my own way, not my own strength. I'm going to surrender. And so he surrenders into the water, and he comes up out of the water. And what happens when he comes up out of the water? Uh, a couple things. One, the father says, this is my son, in him I am well pleased. And this is so important because the father says this for what reason? Before Jesus has done any miracles, before he's done any signs, before he's fed anyone, healed anyone, the father wants everyone to know, I love my son. I love Jesus. I love my son. And that Jesus is going to minister not to please the father, not to prove his worth, but Jesus is just going to minister as an expression of the love relationship between the Father and the Son. And that's our example as well. We do not minister to prove our worth. We do not minister because we're worthless, useless sinners that God rescued and that, you know, we better just do it because we're supposed to be good servants. No, we minister out of love that God loves us and we love him and we just minister from that favor that, that God loves you. He created you in his image. When you were created, he said, very good. And you chose your own way. And your choosing your own way caused sin and destruction and depravity to enter into your life. And as a result, you corrupted the image of God and you produced death and destruction. But he died for every sin that you've done against any person. And he's made you righteous and he's made you a new creation. And now you stand before him righteous and pure and clean and holy and now you surrender your life into the hands of God. And now you live your life not to prove your worth or your value. You don't live your life as some worthless, useless person. You live your life as someone purely accepted and loved and worthy from the favor of God. And God says, you're my son. You're my daughter. I'm pleased with you. And I know I can say this. You say, well, I haven't lived my life yet. How can you say that God's pleased with me? I know God's pleased with you because he gave you his son. His son died for your sins. He is completely pleased with you. That is a sign of the Father's pleasure. Live your life based on the Father's pleasure. Minister based on the Father's pleasure. Not out of self-hate, not out of guilt, not out of shame, not out of condemnation. Live rooted in the Father's pleasure. And then how does Jesus live? So he lives based on the Father's pleasure. And then the Holy Spirit descends upon him, or a dove descends upon him, and he just lives based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. But he's just going to live based on the leading of God, the voice of God, and the favor of God. And that's how we live as well. I wanted to do today's show to confront this reality, and, and this is the picture I have. I want you to think of a coin, uh, just, just a simple coin. And on one side of the coin is pride. I think we all know that pride isn't a good thing, right? To say, 
you know, I'm, I'm pretty impressive. You know, everybody should worship me. I'm, I'm a little better than everyone else. And my spiritual worth is just a little better than everyone else. And the way I talk and the way I preach and the way I teach and the way I serve, I'm just a little better. I'm better than that person. Pride is not of God. I think we all know that, right? That's one side of the coin. Let's say that's heads because the face is on it, right? You know, the head. Like pride is something we don't want, right? We repent of our pride. But just as bad as pride is self-hate. The self-hate that says, ah, I'm no good, I'm worthless, I'm useless, I'm terrible, I'm such a bum, what's wrong with you? You know, where you're constantly talking bad about yourself, you're constantly judging yourself, you're constantly motivating yourself through self-hate and shame. Self-hate is the other side of that same coin. It's the same coin. It's the tail's side. And in fact, they come from the same spirit. That coin is a coin of worth. Pride says, I'm worthwhile because of what I do. And self-hate says, I'm worthwhile because of what I do. And both of those are making your worth dependent upon what you do, right? Pride says, I've done a bunch of things that make me worthwhile because I've done a bunch of things. And self-hate says, I'm not worthwhile because of a bunch of things I've done or haven't done. It's the same coin. It's just two different sides. Sadly, some churches, when it comes to the head side of the coin, the pride side, they totally are against that. But when it comes to the tail side, they actually worship that. They actually preach that. They actually proclaim that as humility. They confuse humility with self-hate and self-hate with humility. Self-hate is not humility. Humility is sober judgment, as I read that scripture in the beginning. It's seeing yourself in a proper perspective. I didn't do this. I didn't create myself. This is humility. God created me. I can take no pride in that. God created me. He made me in his image. He made me fruitful to multiply and have dominion. When he created me, he said, very good. Then he gave me the ability to have volition, to have dominion, to be able to, or in this volition, this choice, to be able to choose to love him or to choose to use all this creative power for myself. And so I've chosen to love him in return. He embraced me and I've embraced him in return. And I went my own way and I, I sinned against him and I lived a depraved life. But he didn't hold that against me. He gave me grace and he died for my sins. And while I was an enemy and hostile towards him, he laid down his life for my sins and he rescued me. And he, and he just basically gave me a new start in life and made me a new creation. And I said yes to that. So there's no pride in that as well. And now he looks at me and he says, you're my son, you're my daughter. I dearly love you. I'm pleased with you. And now he's given me his Holy Spirit so that I can walk out in faith. So there's no pride in that. But there's no self-hate as well. Because there's no way that I can motivate myself by, oh, I just need to do better and I'm so worthless and useless. No, God wants me to know that he loves me. I'm wonderfully made. And he reclaimed me so that I can image him again in beautiful ways. I want you to see that coin right now that I've been talking about. I want you to see it. Heads being pride. Tails being self-hate. I want you to take it and I want you to throw it into the deepest ocean and let it just disappear. 
throw that coin away. No longer serve that worthless, useless coin. Do not serve that coin anymore. Let God be your worth. God is your worth. God is your value. You've been set aside for noble purposes, for good purposes. No longer be motivated by self-hate. Be motivated by the goodness of God. When God sees you, he says, very good. This is my child. I'm pleased with you. I love you. I know you by name. I have things for you to do. Follow the leading of my spirit. I'm with you always until the ends of the earth. All right. Love you guys. I so much appreciate you listening today. Lord, would you bless every person who's listened today? Would you encourage them in the name of Jesus? Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to text me, here's the number, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. 360-818-4513. Or you can go to fairlyspiritual.org and find out about past podcasts, uh, my book, ways to support what we're doing here. Um, I love you guys. I so much appreciate your willingness to join me on this journey. Subscribe to the podcast as well. I'd love to have more subscribers. All right, make room for the Lord. He loves you. He knows you by name. I'll see you next time. The preceding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.